0: Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans, and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Alexa Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, and editor over at LockedonPelicans.com, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Tuesday, day after the Pelicans get a big road win, 126-110, in a game where they basically just kind of handled the Toronto Raptors. We're going to recap this game, talk about how awesome Drew Holiday was in this one, and why he should be in the running for all of the awards to start the year so far. That's how good he's been. And then we've got to take a quick look at Pelican's and the Carmelo Anthony watch, and it is a quick look because there's really not much going there, but I'll give you guys the latest update on that since we do need to cover it since the Pelicans do lack some wing depth, even though they did play pretty well tonight. So fun podcast today, it's always more fun recapping a Pelicans win, so let's jump right on into everything in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So in a game where they didn't have Nikola Mirotic, where they didn't have the starting point guard Alfred Payton, the Pelicans still run out to a 126-110 win over the then 12-1, now 12-2 Toronto Raptors, who, by the way, were undefeated at home and have two separate six-game win streaks so far this year. This wasn't an easy game for the New Orleans Pelicans going into it, but they stepped up to the challenge, had huge performances from Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, and one Moore in this one. Go over some of the numbers here. Points in the paint, they held Toronto to just 42, while New Orleans bullied them inside to the tune of 72. Yes, Toronto got some points in the fast break off of the Pelicans' live ball turnovers. That's been a problem all year. Toronto had 28 of those, but New Orleans really kept them in check otherwise, and that starts with Drew Holiday. Let's look at the defense first because this is probably the story of the game, not the offensive performance from him or from each one more. You know he's going up against guys like Kawhi Leonard, he guarded him on numerous possessions, and Kyle Lowry. Against Lowry, Holiday just kind of abused him on both ends of the court. Lowry finished one of nine from the field, 0 for 6 from deep, had 11 assists, his numbers on that have always been high this year, but just four points, he was a minus 17 on the night. Lowry's averaging 17.2 points per game for the Raptors, and Drew Holiday again held him to one of nine shooting. This is after he held Devin Booker to 12 points. It was on Saturday night in their game against the Suns. His defensive effort so far this year and in the biggest games against some of the best scores in the league has truly been impressive. Look at how he just stays in sync and in step with these guys when they try and blow by him on the offensive end and you can't. He played like this in that series against Portland and that's why he was able to shut down Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and you're seeing him continue that defensive form that led him to being a first team all defensive player again this season. On the offensive end, Drew Holiday was also excellent. In basically 39 minutes of play, he was 12 of 19 from the field overall, 63.2%, 3 of 7 from deep. He had 14 assists in this game to go with 29 points. Just completely dominant on both ends, and he's making the case for being one of the best two-way guards, if not the best two-way guard in the league. His backcourt mate, each one more in this one, was also excellent in 36 minutes of play. He was 13 of 18 from the field, 72.2%. He was 3 of 5 from deep and just scored off everything he could a lot of effort plays pin down screens that led to curls for drew holiday to send the the feed down into the paint that he got curling off of that pin down screen scored inside with his floaters his outside shooting was hot and basically he just found lanes and seams and space against this toronto team worked his way open off ball and managed to get the ball and then score that way it was wonderful you saw this team just uh, move the ball better than they have really in a long time. They had 30 assists on the night on 54 makes. Those are very good numbers right there. Anthony Davis, of course, in almost 40 minutes of play, 11 for 20 from the night. He also had 20 rebounds and 8 Offensive boards. They had trouble boxing him out. He was doing what he could to try and get second chance opportunities. After that injury and seeing his effort level and his energy not be nearly as high as it could be, or what we're used to seeing from him, him going after those offensive rebounds was certainly gonna be a game changer. And when we talked with Sean Woodley in yesterday's podcast, he was concerned about the Pelicans' ability to grab offensive boards, and that was a big difference in this game. Pell's grabbed fourteen, by the way. Now Toronto did well on that side too, grabbing thirteen and was a big problem um, against the Pelicans early on, but they managed to withstand that storm, and that's really where Toronto did a lot of their damage, there and in the fast break, and their half-court offense by itself was basically shut down by AD. You had that stretch, by the way, where Kawhi went in for a dunk, AD blocks it, or the floater, whatever it was, grabs the ball, and runs down court to try and score in transition, ended up being a charge, but you can see this team, and when they're playing with a high energy level on defense, which they were tonight, it's a complete... Game-changer, and they look like one of the best teams in the league. Julius Randle got the start for the Pelicans in this one with Mirtich out, played a little over 35 minutes, like 7 of 12 from the field, he grabbed 12 boards as well, 4 assists, by the way 6 assists for Anthony Davis when he's playing at his best and he can recognize the double team and realizes how to pass out of it and there's off-ball movement to give him an outlet to pass out of it, this team is scary, so Julius Randle and AD combined for 10 assists in this one Randle finished with 17 on the night, on the flip side for the Toronto Raptors, they struggled shooting so the Pelicans overall shot 54.5% from the field compared to the Toronto Raptors shooting 40.2. A lot of that is due to the Pelicans taking away the interior game of this Toronto Raptors team. How many times did Kyle Lowry miss towards the rim because of the defense from Drew Holiday or Anthony Davis altering a shot? It was significant. This isn't simply as the Pelicans were shooting hotter than the Toronto Raptors were. They made the Toronto Raptors miss while also playing bully ball down low, which leads to that very high shooting percentage. This was kind of by design, and the numbers bear out what we saw on the court. Kawhi Leonard, 7 for 20 on the night, just 35%, 20 points Uh, Pascal Siakam did much better, kind of took advantage of Julius Randle at times down low. He was 8 of 12 from the field, 22 points. Serge Ibaka hit two threes in route to 19 points. And then Fred Van Vliet with 10, who also was taken advantage by with Drew Holiday and Etwan Moore and the rest of the team as they really punished this Toronto backcourt in this game. So I want to talk about this game a little bit more since we got to see some quality bench play for this Pelicans team, which we don't always get to see and after the depth has been described as something that's very important for this team. Seeing quality minutes from Czech Diallo, from Ian Clark and like are really important. I want to give these guys some credit and talk about what they did well in this game. But you know, ever since I started doing this podcast, people have been asking me for advice and it's usually, you know, what team to bet on this week. Look, I know the NBA pretty well, but I mainly cover the Pelicans. I don't watch every other team. I can't give you the best bets. Honestly, you guys probably know better than I do. So if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, you guys. They are the absolute best bet you're going to make this year. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is super easy to use. You're not sitting at your computer trying to place bets. You're at the game. You hear an injury. You've got a good feeling about something. Someone looks good in warm-ups. You need to get out on your phone and make that bet before the lines change having a good mobile site is so important so lay down some cash and win big today I'd only recommend a service that I use and that's been good to me and that's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie you win they pay they have in-game live betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business for all you fantasy guys out there you can even bet the over under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game join now and my bookie will match your deposit your opening deposit dollar for dollar dollar up to $1,000 that's free money for you all use promo code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n to activate the offer visit my bookie online today that's m-y-b-o-o-k-i-e and don't forget to use the promo code locked on when creating your account to claim the bonus and your free money you play you win you get paid with my bookie So before I talk about the bench, Pelicans PR just tweeted out an absolute insane number. In their last two games, Devin Booker and Kyle Lowry entered their matchups against the New Orleans Pelicans, averaging a combined 43.7 points per game. Booker was averaging 26.5, Lowry averaging 17.2. The two were held to a combined 16 points on 5 of 21 shooting from the floor. 5 of 21 is insane for the low shooting percentage. The 16 points is also an insanely low, uh, you know, Uh, amount of points per game that's the word I'm thinking of the bigger thing here might be the 21 shot attempts for both those guys combined those are kind of some high volume guys at least in Booker's case Lowry not as much but he still takes more shots than you know other players do and Holiday is doing such a good job of denying those guys even getting the ball that they've only taken a combined 21 shots despite the fact that they need to go out and try and score for their teams to win That's the impressive number, not the 16 points, not the 5 of 21, but the 21 itself and the fact that you can't even get some of your best players the ball when Drew Holiday is defending them. So the Pelicans bench stepped up in a big way in this game. Maybe not big, okay, that's the wrong word. They only had 20 bench points compared to Toronto's 42 But they did play in a much better way than you were kind of expecting. And when you look at the plus minus for these teams and these lineups, the bench lineups weren't outscoring the Pelicans bench lineup. It was when you kind of got weird matchups when AD was off the court that Toronto went on their run. They had that 8-0 run in the third quarter when AD was on the bench. Then he steps back in and the game completely changes again. Sometimes it is a game of runs and you saw it with the Pelicans getting more runs than the Toronto Raptors in this one. But the bench was pretty good in this one. Darius Miller, giving you 22 and a half minutes, hit two threes in that for six points. He had three rebounds in that time as well. That's not bad for a low usage guy and a guy that when he's on the court is your fifth option. Cech Diallo had maybe one of the best games of his freaking career in this in non-garbage time. He was four of eight from the field with eight points and six rebounds. He's giving you energy and just realizes, hey, let me rebound the ball and try and score down low. No more floaters, no more jumpers, nothing like that. Just efficient shots and you see his shot selection improving. Now, he's not going to be a regular guy getting a ton of minutes in this, but to have him there and to be able to do that for a guy that the Pelicans have invested a lot of time in, it's certainly nice to see. Ian Clark was three of six on the night, six total points. But he did have four rebounds, including a big offensive board that I don't know if it got credited to him, but simply something that he just never gave up on, and it allowed the Pelicans to keep a possession alive. This is the type of depth you want to see from these guys. And even if they get outscored when they're out on the court, and again, I'm not huge on individual plus minus, but bear with me here because it does tell a bit of a story. Darius Miller was a positive six. Cech Diallo was a positive two. Ian Clark was a minus one. Tim Frazier in his seven minutes was one. We're just going to ignore him right now. Even if it's a minus one, that's pretty good considering how strong the Pelican starters are against most other units. If they can just keep you even, if they're not a net positive, that is an okay thing is not as long as they're just not that bad and you saw good bench play from this team in this game to kind of weather the storm when ad was out just enough at times allow him to come back in stay rested and to be that effective player that we haven't always seen him to be when he's playing significant minutes wesley johnson now with a couple of starts under his belt too when he's not a bench player but he's kind of one of those reserve guys he played t- almost 21 minutes in this one five points was one of four from deep two rebounds with two of six from the field You know, those five points, usually more than Solomon Hill has been giving you. Solomon Hill, of course, a DNP in this one. Um, so the fact that he gives you quality wing minutes, he's a threat to shoot from three that can actually hit those. His defense has been a little bit better than I think we were expecting. He's not a great player by any stretch, but he's been serviceable in the starting lineup and he fills his role well. You guys know I'm somewhat high on the Oklahoma City Thunder because their role players do what their roles are incredibly well. You're starting to see the Pelicans role players do that. Diallo is the energy guy off the bench. Ian Clark is the guy you need him to be. Wesley Johnson's certainly been the guy you need to see from him, and it's been tremendous to see, and all of a sudden, this team starts to look a little bit more complete, and then all of a sudden, you can add Alfred Payne, Nikola Mirotic back, both guys who are starters and who play significant roles for the Pelicans, those role players can just kind of slot into their role just a little bit more because they're not being asked to do too much, and this team should be able to compete, not necessarily for a title, but at least for maybe a top four spot, you know, three, four, if things break well for him in the Western Conference. Right, you know we have to talk about it, and I teased it in yesterday's podcast that we were going to have Mellow Watch on here and mention it, and this got shut down pretty quickly, which is good. At least we know, and we don't have to spend this time kind of hoping for a player or something like that. But before we do that, you guys know the defending champion uh, Eagles, Super Bowl winners, are coming to town to play the New Orleans Saints, the Saints who look like the absolute, without a doubt, best team in the NFL right now. So make sure you listen to Locked On Saints, which with host Ross Jackson. Monday through Friday, just like Locked On Pelicans. The local guy covering the team better than other national guys are. You want that kind of coverage in your life. No one follows this team as closely as he does. So make sure you listen to Ross Jackson and Locked On Saints here on the Locked On Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcasts from. So we're going to make this segment quick, not because I'm feeling sick and my voice is about to go in this I want to rest it, but because it just needs to be short. Look, it sounds like Carmelo Anthony is going to be out with the Houston Rockets, leaving a wing player, even though he's not truly a wing as much anymore and is more of a small uh, power forward, uh, available for the Pelicans to potentially pick up when you've been starting guys like Solomon Hill. Wesley Johnson, who again, had a pretty good game. When you have a guy like Darius Miller being a key player off the bench, that's not exactly the depth you want and something that inspires a lot of confidence. So people have naturally been asking, should they pick up Carmelo? Can they revive his career like they kind of did for Rondo last year? The answer to that was probably going into this 98%. Now, you could convince me maybe two times out of 100 that they should take a flyer on him if he were to know his role with the second unit as a shot creator when that bench does have trouble scoring at times. But still, I think the cons at this point in Melo's career outweigh the positives. And look how it just didn't work out with a team he should have been able to kind of fit well on, not needing to kind of be that guy and, in theory, embracing the bench role. It just didn't work. Now, the Houston Rockets have more problems than answers right now, and Mello wasn't the answer to those problems, nor was he the cause of them, but still, it wasn't a great fit. You probably don't want to bring him in here right now and kind of mix things up and add kind of a chucker when your offense is built around not isolation play and passing and ball movement and all of that. But you could have convinced me, even though I think maybe that overlaps with what you want kind of Julius Randle doing with this second unit. Maybe it overlaps a little bit with what you want Frank Jackson doing with this second unit eventually. And it gets the ball away from those guys, and I'd rather have them have the ball, or at least Randall, over a guy like Carmelo Anthony. So I wouldn't have been for it. But again, you could convince me even though his defense is terrible and he's not a great three-point shooter. But this got shot down pretty emphatically from our friend Will Guillory of The Athletic now. Basically saying that the Pelicans have no interest in going after a guy like Mellow and it's going to be fine and don't worry about it. So Mellow Watch is officially over and we don't need to worry about it anymore, hopefully, unless there's a big surprise here. I remember times with BourbonStreetShots.com where I was like on Greg Odin Watch and had to get like a post ready should they have signed him and was watching like Twitter one night. That was my assignment with the site that day. We don't need to do that with Melo because it's not going to happen here. So certainly a good thing that, you know, they're winning. They just had the biggest win of the season for the team probably. Let's just kind of keep things as they are and go through this and build this team the way that they're building it so far. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Enjoy the big victory over the best, the then at the time, best team in the league. I think think they still have the best record. The Pelicans win over the Toronto Raptors. A dominant performance from Drew Holiday. Huge game from each one more. Monster game from Anthony Davis on both ends of the court. And a bench unit that really kind of kept them afloat when Toronto was trying to go on runs and take advantage of that. And also now, no need to worry about Carmelo Anthony. Don't ask me about it. Don't tell your friends about it there's no need because it is not happening here per Will Guillory of The Athletic so thank you all for listening if you're a new listener tune in just after this big win thank you for making us a part of your day here with Locked On Pelicans if you've been a long time listener I appreciate it as well and tell all of your friends because this is a fun year for the New Orleans Pelicans who are now seven and six back above 500 and again looking like one of the better teams in the league so as always I'm your host Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter and I'll be back with you you all tomorrow.